Hey guys, welcome to Tim Compton Radio, episode one. Today I am joined by two of the baddest men in the combat sports game, Aaron Blackie and Stewie Nickel. You. Uh, both black belts in uh, jiu-jitsu, a black belt ju- judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champ, both MMA Australian champs, professional killers. And uh, today we're just going to kind of shoot the shit, talk some and see where we end up and Hopefully we won't get too many horns beeping at us. So yeah. we're at Ugly Mug uh, Cafe in Auckland Flower, sat in the back patio, and uh, yeah. So Aaron, introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about your background, where you've been, where you come from, where you are now, what you're looking to achieve, and we'll get this thing rolling. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Aaron Blackie. Grew up in Redcliffe on the north side of Brisbane. Started training in martial arts, um, judo was the first one. So my old man, he was into martial arts, did um, judo himself. Kyokushin Karate and amateur boxing, so it sort of sprouted from there. Um, always loved watching the Japanese MMA and sort of from that transition to, to Jiu-Jitsu, um, following more the the submission fight sort of style of, of grappling as Judo sort of moved away from, from that with the rule changes and then eventually found um, integrated MMA because he got a bit older and more interested in, in yeah, coming across and, and that's where I met yeah, you man and your dad and Stewie met later on in the piece, and um, but yeah, he sort of ended up training with us a bit for his own his own transitions. Stewie, tell us about you. Where have you come from? Why are you so mental? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm that's no, Stuart Nickel. I was born in the Solomon Islands. I think that has a bit to do with the mental part of it. <laughs> um, I lived there for like eight and a half years, and then um, been living in Australia for most of my life now. Um, 25, so what's that? Uh, 17 years living in Australia. Um, and yeah, I started trading very similar to Aaron. I started actually doing judo as well after seeing some of the, the Japanese stuff. I've seen um, Fedor Milanenko versus uh, Hongman Choi, which was my first fight I ever watched of MMA. And uh, yeah, I loved it because obviously, yeah, the size disparity in that. And, and um, I was inspired from, from that to become the giant slayer that I am today. So. Um, <laughs> I started doing judo first, and then as soon as I found a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school in Redcliffe, I started training there uh, under Fabricio Mendonca, who I got my black belt from. And uh, when I was a brown belt, I started looking at transition MMA because that was always my goal from day one. Uh, so I found um, integrated MMA and met up with Dan Higgins and Aaron Blackie and, and all the boys there. And, and um, yeah, so I train with Dan Higgins now at the Garage Jiu-Jitsu and made my transition MMA started living with Aaron uh, about a year after I met him, maybe less, maybe yeah. less. Um, and it's just been the best best thing I ever did. Because um, yeah, we're both on the same path. I think we're gonna be world champions um, very soon. So like, it's just been awesome having him as a roommate, as a friend and all the rest and met up with um, everyone at Compton's as well through, through Aaron. And it's just been an awesome journey so far and huge future ahead. And, can't wait. Sounds like a love story. It is. It is. <laughs> Actually, um, it's a bit of a bit of a heartbreak story first. Um, <laughs> the story goes, let you in on a story. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a funny story. Thanks, it's a funny story. <laughs> it's a funny story. Um, Aaron, I knew Aaron was living locally in Redcliffe and that, and um, we were looking to move out. Like I was living with my dad and uh, with my partner, Olivia. And uh, we wanted to move out. It was time to move away from home. I think I was 21 or something. And uh, 
I thought Aaron had a might have had a spare room, so I asked him about it, and he he, he told me that he'd actually uh, just gone through a breakup with his missus. Sorta, sorta. Of, sort of. You tell me your side. You tell me your side. Makes <laughs> moved out while I was at training the other day. Yeah. Stewie's response. <laughs> You got a spare room, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's how it went. It was more like that. It was more like that. It was more like that. Um, and he said, yeah, I guess. <laughs> he had actually moved all his stuff to his mum's place, um, he was saying. So he yeah. had to move it all back. And um, yep. yeah, it was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy, just um, coincidence and that. But I think everything happens for a reason. And It's cool. Yeah, it is a bit of a love story. In yeah, a way. that's right. All about yeah. that bro love. Yeah, that's it. That's right. So, uh, coming off your win last weekend against, what was the geezer's name again? Sorry. Uh, Mitchell Burkett. Mitchell Burkett, XFC, two-time XFC flyweight champ. Yep. What's next? What are you, what are you, where are you planning on going with this? Um, just gain experience. Like, this is, that was my third uh, pro MMA fight, my third only MMA fight. I, I skipped the amateur scene. Um, being a black belt, I thought that was um, a bit inappropriate, I think. Uh, some people are doing it, but yeah, I thought cool. I thought I'd just go straight into the pro scene. Sure, man. And um, so I've only had three fights. So I want to get more time in there because jujitsu and MMA are completely different. Yeah. Like, um, and I never drank that Kool Aid of like jujitsu will get you through to become a world champion or whatever because that's my goal. So um, that's why I never really started doing MMA until uh, I had a proper MMA coach and Dan Higginson. But stuff. you're already a world champ jujitsu, right? Uh, I, that's actually um, not not accurate I got third at Worlds um, oh okay sorry my bad um, a lot of people have said that you tell people you're world champ anyway <laughs> no I don't people just spun that people just spun that up <laughs> people always say that I don't know maybe because like I don't know I, I think I'm quite good at Jiu Jitsu and maybe I do, go, I do right. pretty well um, on the local scene and internationally as well so um, people start uh, inflating inflating that statement but um, that's cool though yeah. So, so I guess I think maybe the, the, the misconception is is people are probably saying you're world championship level yep. jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I so agree with that. whether or not you, you, you actually won gold or not, you, you have the ability to, to take it there if you wanted to, but you yeah. decided to change your journey and chase the MMA goal. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that was always like my goal for MMA. It was just like a side thing. Like, it'd be cool to be a world champ as well. And I haven't let go of that. I'll continue that. Like, uh, I nearly... Um, well, I was considering doing Worlds this year, but um, yeah, you just got to qualify. You got to get a certain amount of points. You got to compete in IBJJF competitions and that. And just with the schedule from this year, competing in MMA, that's been my focus. So I wasn't able to do that this year, but maybe next year. Like I'm not dropping that goal at all, especially when I'm done fighting MMA. I'll be a multiple-time Jiu-Jitsu World Champion, I believe, 100% um, at yeah, the black belt level. So um, definitely future, future Jiu-Jitsu black yeah, belt cool. world that's champion. That's awesome, man. That's rad. How about you, Aaron? What's, uh, so you're Aftershock Australian champ? Yep, yep. And uh, what, what, what's, what's your plans next? Where do you go? Yeah, bro, well, had that first year back, fighting after a few years out, and went hard at it, and I think really got the cobwebs out, and by the end of it, um, you know, it had shown not just that we were back, but that we'd made improvements as well to, to the game, obviously being able to, to wrestle again with, with Dan and all the strike I've been doing with, with your dad. Um, I think we showed that, yeah, back and, and better than ever. So, ready to, to take it up that notch. I think we sort of showed that we could dominate on the local scene. And obviously, you know, yourself and Damon and Ben and all the boys fight internationally and that. And that's our training environment. And we know what it's like. And 
I think we're, you know, we're at the point where we're looking to, to go overseas. Well, we are at the point we are going overseas. And it's just... And you've already competed overseas, right? Judo yep. and everything else. Yeah, so exactly. You've got that international experience yep. from a different rule set. But yep. I guess competition's competition, right? Would yep. you agree? That's right. Yep. No, that's a great point, man. Like, trained with, with national teams from all over the world and that as a kid and, you know, to compete in and that. So it is, like you say, it's, we know what that level is. We know what it takes training-wise and sure. mentally and all that. So it's just the, the right opportunity, which I think is getting closer and closer. Um, yeah. Obviously, in talks with, with Ryzen and, and UFC, so it's cool, man. It's exciting. The top picks, yeah. yeah. So. so it's cool. But going back to something you said before, Stewie, about like uh, you never drank the Kool Aid of believing that Jiu Jitsu will get you through the whole MMA like world to get to that world championship level. Elaborate on on what you mean with that in a sense of you said like there's like it doesn't necessarily cross over. It's completely different. What what are the key points that you think? don't cross over and what other key points that you think do cross over and what is applicable what isn't applicable to basically the experience that you've had from being like a, a jiu-jitsu competitor to now transition to professional mma what are the differences and what are the similarities okay yeah i think obviously the wrestling is a huge part like um uh, i mean even when i did jiu-jitsu purely did jiu-jitsu from day one when i was a white belt i, I was very heavy on wrestling and I started doing judo as well so takedown is a huge part like pulling guard just doesn't fly I mean you see that with the Cron Gracie's last fight I mean respect to the Gracie's and that and obviously Hickson who's who's the man um, but yeah like it's evident in today's world even with Cron his last fight pulling guard just doesn't work so you need to be able to wrestle at a high level you need to um, have good jiu-jitsu as well like standing jiu-jitsu like with your kimura traps your front headlocks um you know body locks and, and taking the back and all that stuff um so there there are a lot of things that you can focus on while doing jiu-jitsu like pure jiu-jitsu um but i think like pulling guard and, and and you know spinning upside down and all that kind of stuff um is probably not Pareto's. like it's probably not going to give you the best bang for your buck like when you get in there you're just gonna get your head smashed in i think um but the reason I believe this was like when I started MMA, like my heroes were like Fedor Milenko, like my first hero, and then like George St. Pierre, um, Jose Aldo, um, like yeah, these guys could like strike. They all had really good jujitsu. Like we're all awesome on the ground. They could all wrestle. So like, like my heroes did everything, did all of it. So that's why I was like, for me, it was just obvious that you couldn't. They're all world champions and stuff, and I, I believe you know the greatest. In their divisions ever so um that was pretty obvious to me that you couldn't just pull guard <laughs> you had to do everything you had to be able to strike you had to be able to do takedowns you had to have you have to be really good on the ground i still believe like taking people down is the best way to fight because there's a huge disparity in um force and and position and you get a huge advantage there so um and all those guys uh, except for jose aldo i guess um but yeah those other two i mean could be today's the modern modern error of that style of fighting and he, he's absolutely killing it um so yeah th there's a lot of things that, that translate uh jiu-jitsu wise but you need to be able to set it up with the striking and, and, and everything else you need to be mma's its own thing now it's not the hoist gracie days anymore and so that's why that's what i mean i, I not drinking that kool-aid like a, yeah that's cool <laughs> that kind of thing you see a lot of people like i mean it's easy for me to say as a tie boxer but i've been around mma my whole life and i've seen a lot of people come and go and Obviously, I've trained with you guys for as long as I can remember, along with like some of the, the, the biggest names in MMA in, in this country over the years and around the world. 
you see so many people that although they compete in mixed martial arts they only focus on one area of their game and you know you you pretty quickly get found out by doing that right yeah absolutely yeah. um yeah i mean ben Askren is a I mean, he's also he's good at two things. He's good at wrestling and jujitsu. But like, I think that's a you need everything. You need all. You need you need your stand up as well, um, because yeah, otherwise you get flying knee to the face. Yeah, sure. Right. It all starts on the feet, right? That's right. Absolutely. Sure. You need to set up those takedowns clean without getting knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, same sort of thing from the judo, Aaron. You think like the, the crossover? Yeah. Similar. Kind of, I mean, obviously, it's a lot different in the sense that from jujitsu and judo like not wearing a gi obviously yep. is, a, is a big part of like yep. the adjustments that you've got to make yeah but i mean like you use a lot of your judo when you when you fight but you, you mix it well with your wrestling right yep yeah i think the control mechanisms are very different um the the gripping and that which i was very lucky because obviously dan higgins i think he's probably got the best um like effective judo but fine same thing like well, I look he's a freak at, judo, uh, yep. judo and a freak yep. wrestler and freak jiu jitsu right yep, exactly yeah. and just he, he's, he has made all the adaptations to throwing without the gi on and yep. so he was able to pass it on to me you know from an early age so it yep. took out a lot of you know throwing off front headlocks and, and shit like that that, that just doesn't work um, at the proper level um, but I think judo's got a great like philosophy behind its training and that like everybody trains hard and you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's about self development and all those kind of things, which which definitely helps you used to long hours on the mat and all that sort of thing. Of yeah, there's no shortcuts or anything like that. Work ethic. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably one Warrior of the biggest spirit. takeaways. Yeah, which which definitely um, helps. But but it's the same thing. I think like like Stewie was was saying that that environment changes and what used to work won't work. And if you stick with one thing, yeah, um, you know people will find ways around it. And, you need to constantly be in that state of adapting. I think that's yeah what what you see with you know the striking and that and, and you know it's that, that effectiveness thing. That's what talking to your, your old man when we were over in Japan about like what you add and what you take away and that's where the answer is well what makes it more effective, the goal more effective. And I just think that's brilliant. You know, it's like if you add this, you know, like so from a pure grappler point of view, well, if you add some punches in, does it make it easier to take someone down? Makes it a lot easier to take someone down if you punch yeah. them in the face once or twice. Even sure. just that, you know, that fork, they've got to worry about that as well. So it's like, well, of course it's worth adding. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you may be able to make it work by just forcing through, but it's not the path of least resistance, exactly. which I guess is, you know, as martial artists and that, and that's what we're always looking for. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So um, I think I probably already know the answer to this for the most part, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and you just kind of just be as candid as you want to be with it what is the the biggest adversity that you face in in your careers and what steps did you take to overcome it and how did you overcome it yeah 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 yeah, for me it was definitely without a doubt um having having my knees so had bilateral knee surgery and and that um you know that that put me out of out of being out of well yeah i was in a wheelchair for for six weeks and then crutches for six weeks and three months no load bearing Anything. And even though that just played games with my head and that, and I, I didn't understand, I was too young to understand that. How old training. were you? 22. 22, and you, so you competed your whole life and you ended up yep. in a wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So the training, the hormones and that, you, you know, you lose that, you don't get that, um, what's the positive, the endorphins yeah. and that from, from training. You know, we feel awesome, we just finished training, feel great right now. I yeah, feel rubbish, I got smashed by you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like I, I definitely struggled with. You know, depression there and that and being told you know I saw multiple surgeons and they said 
your, your knees just aren't going to, you know, you're bone on bone there. And I don't want to go into too many details there, but you're not going to be able to get back to, to the, the, the estimates were swimming and riding for, for the rest of your life, nothing more than that. So again, you know, I, I identify as, as being Two an athlete. Two worst and, forms of exercise. But, <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess that, you know, that, that was hard. And then at the same time, I graduated uni while I was through that and, and I was in a relationship, so I started working full time. I just found myself in this position where it was like, you know, nothing I'd imagine, this wasn't the life I'd imagine. You know, yeah. like I'd, I'd put everything into training and I just started fighting professionally and won all my fights in the first round and... And then it's like it's gone. So you know, who am I? What am I doing? And you know, I was I was a, a terrible person around there. And that's that's the crazy thing because it is like that all time low. And you know, me and my girlfriend broke up at the time and that. But then you just look at somehow like I ended up living with this guy. Yeah. Who had anybody? Like, I got plenty of mates that are great guys and that. But that they're not this guy. You know what yeah. I mean? I think he's the only one that could have got me back on sure, on, cool. on the road. And and it's happened. And now you look yeah. at we're both Aussie champions. Yeah, two years we've been living together sure. and we're, we're not just doing it but we're you know, You're killing it well I think so, so you need to be humble about it man be real yeah. about it yeah. you, you're, I mean. you're both killing it sometimes yeah everything happens for a reason sometimes yeah. you just look back and go you know that law of attraction shit there's something to it you know yeah, it's yeah. more than just thinking it but when you go out and go after something everything just falls so, into place sure. and, so, so what steps did you take to overcome that like being in a wheelchair and being um in your crutches and then you know being told that you can't train and what was it like you just decided at one point you dive head first back into it or did you like was, was there some sort of process to it or was it just you woke up one morning and went you know i'm just going to defy the odds and just go after it yeah you know like it's it, it definitely wasn't always easy and, and, and like i say i think like it's the people that i had around me you know yeah. like especially like like dan and that you know like that, that guy is such a warrior and yeah. that you know you train you train you train and he never once said to me like oh maybe you can't you know what yeah, i mean there was yeah. never that said and nobody who, who i hold as you know respect and, and care for and that yeah. ever said that to me and i think that's just the coolest thing ever because sure. you know yeah. like it would be easy to go oh why don't you know i had a degree and i was working as a teacher oh maybe teaching's okay but everyone that knew me knew that i loved it and i think yeah. believed in me you know and it's crazy like because now, you know, I went through three months of acupuncture. Three months, not on the mat, acupuncture three times a week. Changed my whole diet and that. And that had some, some healing that, you know, I've got a CT scan, MRI report that says, like, incredible healing or something. It's not incredible. It's some big word. But, you know, like... Are you sure you're what, a teacher? But not <laughs> English teacher. <laughs> you know, it's not where I belong. It wasn't meant to no, be. 100%, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so bit by bit by bit. And, you know, I retool one of them in the process and that, but bit by bit by bit, got better and better and better. And yeah. Adapted and made adjustments. And, and even now, it gets better and better. You know, like we wrestle more, do yeah. more of that stuff that I couldn't do and introducing stuff with, with your old man and that, that that we didn't think we'd be able to introduce. Well, you were kicking me today. No. <laughs> you were kicking, kicking the shit out of me today. So just a quick uh, point for those of you that are listening that might not know who Dan Higgins is. Dan Higgins, in my opinion, and I, I would say probably... 100% of the MMA community in, in Australia and around the world is one of the best MMA fighters and the best MMA coach to come out of this country, um, if not the world. He's trained many champions from from the ground up, you name it, and uh, he's still doing his thing now. He's still coaching some of the best athletes around. He will continue to do so. So 
Um, if you don't know who he is, Google his name and, and do some research because he's an interesting character with a, with a cool life story. So make sure you, you tune into that. Um, well, that's, that's cool. So, Stewie, your turn. Yeah, mine's a very similar story. Um, I think I was 21. Um, so it was actually, believe it or not, it was actually when I got back from, from getting third place at Worlds. Um, I went and trained at Atos for three months. So I saved up all my money. Um, I quit my job because my boss wouldn't give me time off. And I was like, nah, this is what, this is what I'm doing. Um, this is my goal. So uh, I went over to the States. I'd been going out with my partner now, Olivia, Olivia Kett, uh, for maybe six months at that point. Um, she'd know the exact date. I'm pretty terrible with that kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that was really hard. Like, um, yeah, young and in love and that. Like, new love. Like, so everything's new. And we were living together at the time. I was living with her parents, um, who are awesome people, like, lovely people. But um, it was really hard for me the first few weeks, like living without her and, and being over there. And the training was super hard, like over there. So that like was hard as well. Um, people weren't um, extremely welcoming at first over there, like just because you, they get so many people traveling the world. Because I think it's like the best jiu-jitsu gym in the world when it comes it's to kind of the pinnacle, right? It is. Like yeah. they got the most world champions in there in one little gym. Like it's crazy. Like like Alliance, you could argue is. You know just as good or, or better but like they're spread out all across the world but like when i went there you know the mendez brothers were there andre um jt torres keenan cornelius like um the air like the everyone yeah the everyone yeah, yeah just just like and the purple belts are awesome like i was purple belt at the time the purple belts were all like the blue belts were all world champions and that like just everywhere the brown belts Everyone was like a world champion or, you know, um, previous world champion or expected to, to win worlds that year. And, and it, it was really hard adjusting to that initially. But yeah, after a few weeks, after like they realized that I am a bit mental and like I can take, I can take my beatings yeah, and I can yeah. give them like, yeah. they, they um, you know, they, they end up like, uh, op- like opening their arms to me and they That's loved cool. me and that. And, and uh, I made a lot of awesome friends over there. Like, yeah, like people that I have deep in my heart like for, for the rest of my life like if I ever go there I'll, I'll make sure to visit and um, and say hello again because yeah I made amazing friends you, do, you make such great friends when you're on that pursuit of greatness and, and you, everyone's sacrificing you know like everyone's got an awesome story over there like they all got crazy stories where they've moved and sacrificed everything to, to, to become world champions and that um, but anyways, yeah, like the, the hard part was when I, when, I, when, I, when I got third, I was like devastated. In my head, I was going to be world champ. Um, I had that in my head. I was devastated. Like, obviously, in hindsight, it was such a great achievement. But, um, yeah, I was pretty devastated because of the work I put in, the, the sacrifice and everything. And I was like, oh, man, I still couldn't do it. I still couldn't do it. Like, do I want to do this? And I started questioning, like, I was like, man, if I have to do that again and again and again and still fall short, like, do I want to pursue this? I think a huge part of it was like I was very malnourished as well. Like in the training camp, I was young and dumb. Like I had no idea about nutrition like I do now. Um, and I was just starving myself. Like I was just starving myself to make the weight, um, to compete at the 57 kilo weight division. And I walk around at like 61 kilos. So it's a, you weigh in and two minutes you're on the mat. So it's different to like a fight where you have 24 hours to, to rehydrate. So I had to actually drop my body weight down to like 59 kilos and like it, it, it ruined my hormones as well I think like training hard twice a day malnourished I, I had a lot of injuries as well my neck so yeah very similar to Aaron like injuries and um, 
man, it was pretty bad. Like, I'd be walking and then I'd, like, fall down into a squat position, like, and I couldn't move, like, um, so I had to take, like, a couple of days off training and then back at it again with a neck that's not 100% yet, like, because cause you're, you're getting ready for the world, so you've got to keep pushing, keep pushing, you know, there's no resting, um, you know, you rest until it's, like, feeling okay, and then you go back into training, and, yeah. and then you hurt it again, so... Um, you got guys like Keenan Cornelius hanging off your neck <laughs> and training, it's, uh... Yeah, I didn't do too much with Keenan, but, like, JT, like... <laughs> I remember doing judo rounds with JT for some weird reason. Like, uh, I think he just wanted to, like, he had a judo coach there and, and um, maybe he just wanted to work work some offense because <laughs> yeah. uh, he set me for six a few times and that. Uh, but all the guys there, they're all, like, extremely high level. I mean, I think the gi as well, um, it's just way more taxing on the body. That was a gi world's camp, 2015. Um, it's just really taxing on the body. And um, I, I got home and... Um, like all I wanted to do was just hang out with my girlfriend like I didn't want to train um, the injuries and everything but like besides that my hormones I just I just wanted to be mediocre like I just wanted to like live with my girlfriend go to cafes on the, the weekend it's yeah the it's the hormones it's the like, hormones. like the hormones. yeah like I just didn't want to do it anymore I didn't even want to train jiu-jitsu anymore I was like but I, I I showed up to training because like that's what I did like that's what I identified myself as and, and my team at bros um Bros Martial Arts and Bros Jiu Jitsu back then with Fabrizio Mendonca. Like, I just went back to training to, because I, I just finished doing Worlds. Like, I should show my face and, like, teach them everything I've learned and all that, but I didn't want to. Like, I was, I didn't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, right. I didn't want to pursue it anymore. It took me about six months before I rekindled my love for Jiu Jitsu and that. Um, and got back on track. But I think, yeah, a big part of that's hormones. Um, sure. It's amazing. I think a lot of people outside of the sport but also a lot of people inside of the sport they don't realize what that actually does to your not just your body but also your mind like yeah trust me I've, I've done some terrible things when it comes to cutting weight and i've had some horrible cuts i've been in some horrible places and i've been in the same situation where it just it, it just drains your passion for the sports you kind of think like as much as you love it and in, in some regards you die for it until like you're actually like almost knocking on death's door with it and you're like well why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I'm not loving it, why am I doing it? Like, because, like, let's face it, you're not really getting paid for this shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like, unless you're making that McGregor money, realistically, like, it's like, so you you do it for the love of it. So yeah. it's, a, it's a real thing. And then, like you said, you're, you're sacrificing time away from family and loved ones. And, you know, like, and you know, like, they would never tell you to your face because they love you and they support you but deep down inside they're feeling the same way as you are thinking <laughs> yeah. you know I just want him to be home I don't want him to be doing this to himself or whatever yep. it's hard man so I think there's a I, th- I still think even now that there's a lot of education around weight cutting and nutrition and things but I, I still think that like a lot of the sports still has such a long way to go with it like yeah. it's um, and I think I, I reckon personally in the next 5 to 10 years we'll see a complete shift in the way that people will cut weight, in the way that people will eat, and like, uh, like their, their whole nutrition will change, and I think we'll see a whole new breed of athlete Absolutely. because of that. In, yeah, in definitely. My opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young and dumb, I reckon. <laughs> so, oh, for sure. And we've all <laughs> yeah. done it, man. You know, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, shout out to everyone at Artos, all my friends there, and Andre Goval. I'm not sure if I mentioned him. He was a like a beautiful person. If you if you know him personally, like he has a huge heart and like really took me in and, and treated me like family over there so shout out to all those guys cool so um 
now that we've spoken about like your biggest adversity that you've overcome but I'm actually really interested because I guess it's one of those things like we all train together every single day we see each other we like beat the piss out of each other and whatever (laughs) else but there comes a point where like we never like just sit down and ask these questions you know what I mean like like, so I'm, I'm actually really eager to hear like what's what's the the favorite moment of your career or the thing that you've achieved so far like what what's the highest moment that you, you've had so far in your career Aaron you can go first man it's easy as man but come back fight that first fight back with you boys were both at on the sunny coast me that was just like that was such a big thing spent so much time you know like giving up at every sacrifice in every area of my life I'd quit teaching then when I was like coming back quit teaching um, me and my missus relationship was over um, put it all on the line. I'd registered as an Uber driver. So I'd gone from teaching registered as Uber, I've gone, this is what I'm gonna do, and then you're there. So it's been three years between fights, standing out back, up my little brother there, and I just thought, you know, like that is what I hold with so much pride, because I was able to show him, like, you know, you can do anything, man. Um, you know, and to have everyone there, to go out and do it, and I finished it in the first round, and that was just, like, when I did that, I was like, do fucking anything. Do you know what sure, I mean? Man. Like, because sure. that was saying that it was like, I always stuck to the path because of the people I had around me, but there was definitely times where I thought I couldn't do it. Yeah. There were definitely times where, like, I, I wanted, you know, like, I, I was crushed over, over that time with, with all the different things that happened in that. And there, there, there were times with the wrong people around me. Who knows? You know what I mean? And, and partying and whatever. Yeah. Doing yeah, stupid cool. shit that I never thought I'd be doing and that. And then to to come out there and you know what I mean it's like and you got 15 minutes to make about, it happen too yep. it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure that's yep, cool exactly it's um I always think like that fight the people that didn't know the story they're like we're all in the crowd watching and then the moment that the ref pulled you off him like we're all like grown men in tears you know what I mean <laughs> I swear everyone in that uh, in that civic centre at uh, Kula must have been looking at it. everyone going dude like calm down this is a fight but for us it was so much more than that you know what I mean like even if you'd lost that fight like we didn't care the fact of the matter was is like you said you've gone from being in a wheelchair to back competing professional at the highest level in this country like that's that that's an achievement in itself you know what I mean so for us that, that was that was a cool moment I'll, I'll always remember that that was cool Stewie um yeah mine I've had a lot of awesome 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 moments um well probably one of the ones I'm most known for locally and um, was uh, winning the absolute division in in grappling industries against Euros um, was a pretty pretty awesome moment just like the things that um, conspired before then like on the way to the event a projectile vomited all over myself and like (laughs) on the dashboard and like from like nerves or um, I don't know I actually don't think so but like that makes sense because you don't strike me as the kind of guy no, that gets nervous no 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 no. Uh, well that's that's well, I've competed worlds and I'm like so cocky and like confident really uh, walking around yeah I'm walking around <laughs> my head up beating yeah. my chest going like I'm gonna be world champ like let's go like um, I don't so I'm gonna say it wasn't nerves but like that's probably what most people vomit from so I was thinking like oh maybe it was that but um, uh, I think it was just a mixture of what I had for breakfast really to be honest I think it was just a mistake like I had two glasses of pomegranate juice which is like very like acidic and I had um what else did I have I had I had multivitamins like I had my multivitamins and then I was like oh did I have my multivitamins like I don't know if I did like I was like oh I better take some more just in case I forgot a double dose is that that prohibited 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, my vomiting <laughs> probably say is not like, and because the reason I'm assuming it was that because like my vomit was like, um, close your ears if you don't want to hear anything gross, but it was, yeah, it was like orange color with like, yeah, multivitamins like in it, and I was like, it was pretty nasty. Uh, I vomited for like a good like 15 minutes, like in the car, and then like when we stopped off, um, I had to get out and uh, I found a tree, and that poor tree got, got, got a lot of vomit on that. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I got to the venue and I couldn't warm up. Like anytime my little brother Tazan would, would touch my stomach or my throat, I'd gag and want to vomit. So I couldn't warm up properly um, and I just got thrown in. And I versed some heavyweights in the beginning, um, but they were like blue belts and that, so they're not, um, like no one really cares, I guess. Um, I versed Dan Castles in the semis and won. And then, and then uh, in the finals, I had to go up against Euros, who's, um, you know, is a heavyweight, like six foot. I don't know, six for four or something, six for two, six for four. With abs. Yeah, with abs, just like... Giant. I think a good description of him is like, uh, he's built like a walking Dorito. Like, he's just got that V, V yeah, going. Yeah. It just, um, yeah. Huge. Like, huge dude. And, and really good jiu-jitsu. Like, he, he'd beaten, he beat everyone in, in the black belt division the in top, Australia. The top um, heavyweight. So, that was pretty scary. And just like, he's from Serbia and that, like... I don't know. There's that mystique about it, and he's what he walks around very confident in that he's got his chest up, you know, as he should in that. And so he's like you, but 120 kilos. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's scary, dude. Oh, scary, dude. And and what I was do you like, walk around at? Um, I walk around 61 kilos. So this dude's double your weight, pretty much. Yeah, he'd be about 107 or something kilos. Yeah, right. um, I think I think that's what I've heard. Um, but yeah, uh, and shredded, and shredded, not just 107 and fat and short sort of thing. Yeah. And he's got good jiu-jitsu, he's got a good guard. Um, Very athletic, huh? Yeah, and he beats everyone. And um, just, yeah, just a scary dude to me anyways. I was like terrified <laughs> at the time, but then I like, um, I was like, oh, you can just pull out, like no one's going to care, you can just fake an injury, like, you know what I mean? And, and I was like, no, nah, so I snapped crazy. myself out of it. And I was like, no, nah, we're doing this and we're going to beat his ass. Like, we're going yeah. to beat him, like... We're gonna find a way. We're gonna do it. So like, just just the mental. That's what makes it so big for me. Cause like, I didn't want to do it. I was scared to do it. And I still did it, and I won. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like huge for me, just to overcome myself. That's like, so such a weird thing for for me to hear you say that you were you didn't want to do it. And you were like so like scared so to speak. Cause it's like, I mean, if you've seen Stewie in the gym or you, whatever, like. Scared is not a word that I would use to describe you whatsoever. But it goes to show that, like, because, like, you look at some of these guys when they fight, like, at the highest level, you think, man, why are these guys so calm or whatever it is? But you have no idea what's going on inside or what's going Absolutely. on in the dressing room and things like that. They're just like, you yeah. see some guys that walk out to fight and they just look like they're invincible, but 15 seconds before they walk out to fight, they're, like, vomiting in, in a bin yeah. out the back. You know what Absolutely. I mean? So it's actually cool to hear, like, you know, like, there's not many people that would actually admit to saying, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't want to go and do it. Like, it's cool. I love that you're being candid about it because th- there's going to be a load of people that, like, listen to this will probably be thinking, like, young guys in the gym or whatever that go, or, like, from your gym that are thinking, well, I'm not scared. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should just quit. But, like, then they hear you go, oh, man, if Stewie feels the same, this is just a, a normal... I mean, it's not natural to go and fight a dude, whether it's fighting in jiu-jitsu or yeah. judo. I'm sure you're the same, hey, Aaron? Well, that was the heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people... I, I know, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying. The, the emotions yeah. are, not a, are crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have, um, you know, excused me for, for, for pulling out of that, I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
been <laughs> fair oh, enough. No and that's way. that's why you're my friend. Right and that's why you're my friend. That's why you're my friend. Like, yeah, we hold each other to high yeah. standards. You know, we, we're gonna achieve high high that's things. Cool. You know what I mean? But um, I was terrified in that. But like, you flick a switch. Once you decide you're gonna do it, you go do it. And you can go kill it. Like, hundred percent. So I flicked that switch, and I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, yeah. but before then, like when it was like when I seen him beat. Uh, was it Tyrone Popovich oh sorry I, I messed his last name up but Tyrone um, I seen him beat him and I was like oh so now I've him in the finals oh shit <laughs> oh shit then all these like thoughts I played in my head I think he tapped Tyrone who's like another big dude I think he tapped him in like in a minute or a minute and a half or something you know what I mean so that's scary like for sure And but yeah like especially I said, one, when you weigh one of his legs yeah <laughs> yeah so that was um pretty pretty terrifying but like you know, maybe a couple of minutes before the match, I just switched, flipped that switch, and I was like, "This is what we came to do. We came to win." So, That's cool. so we went out there and did it. Um, do you yeah. guys have a process? Like, I have a process, but I want you guys to explain yours because this is a podcast about you guys. So, do you like? Do you guys have a process that uh, on fight night or game day or whatever it is that you have a process that follows you to make you? Flip, flip that switch or is it just kind of one of those things that you find as soon as your feet touch that canvas you're ready to go or do you feel like it happens earlier in the night is it from when you weigh in is it a gradual thing across your whole camp like, like what is it that makes you guys switch on on, on game day Aaron you go first yeah right I definitely like I yeah, definitely have a, a competition um, routine or philosophy I guess and for me it's like I just detach and just go all the work's all the work's done um not going to think about it i think all the programming's done like i lose our trainings programming our body and then if it's not there um autonomously so able to be done without thought then it's not there so that's the hard part you gotta be tough enough to to find that out in a fight um but but when it comes to it we're gonna let it happen so i just chill and then three fights before mine we start doing our you know warm-up and that's when i start hitting that switch and then it's you know it's all all um all, all on, ready to go, and and I definitely think one of the adaptations I've made, which I think just comes with, with time, because nothing is like fighting. At the end of the day, you know, it is you are going to get hurt if you're fighting someone who you should be fighting, which is kind of the point. Um, so, like, I definitely I think in my earlier fights would would be very very aggressive um, mentally. I'm a cerebral fighter anyway, but now now I just stay calm. It's it's we do it in the gym every day, and I just go, I'm just gonna let it happen, warm up. You know, but but as for the mind, it's yeah, I very much prescribe to that that Zen style of, you know, let, let it happen. And then outside of that, it's it's all cerebral, it's all reflection, it's all what, why, how, all that. But when it's happening, it's um, yeah, it's is what it is. That's um, cool, Stewie. Yeah, I'm a little bit different to Aaron. Um, I guess like I definitely like I, I'm like pretty terrified <laughs> all the time. Actually, yeah, if I'm right. being honest, like. Until it's like, like I said, I flipped that switch. Yeah. It's like, I'll like right before. So even during the camp, like I'm terrified. But that's I don't. I operate better that way because I'm like way more focused. Um, I take it serious. Like I take it a lot more seriously. I study my opponent. Uh, I've you know, it motivates me that sort of that fear sort of thing. It like really motivates me and and um, drives me to do my best. Um, right before the fight on, on fight day I actually try to go to sleep like uh, I'll have a bit of a sleep maybe a couple of hours Suri brings his own pillow to fight night and a <laughs> yeah. sleeping bag just for the yeah. record yeah yeah <laughs> go get that sleep go get that sleep LeBron James <laughs> um, yeah no I, I try to sleep uh, just to just to, to calm myself just to deaden everything and, and to also be ready for that 
bloody 11 o'clock fight, you know what I mean, where you're not really yeah. used to training at 11 o'clock at night. So I just try to get my circadian rhythm into that um, to be ready to fight at 11 o'clock at night is usually when I'm fighting um, as a main event, <laughs> two-time yeah. main event. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just try to sleep, and then when I wake up, maybe four fights before mine, start warming up and start, like, um, talking to myself, like, affirming myself and, and um, you know, telling myself I'm the heavyweight champ and yeah. <laughs> everything else and, and believing in myself. And then, and then just start moving around, hitting those pads, um, getting ready. Like, I think that's a huge thing. Like, when you start hitting those pads, you just... It takes away all the mental side of it. It's like, oh, this is what I do. This is what I love. This is, you know, punching things. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it, it takes away all that that um those thoughts those those um thoughts those bad thoughts sort of thing it's just like this is what i love doing and let's go out in there and do it um i start bashing all the furniture <laughs> punching <laughs> punching the couch and now i get my knuckles itchy that that was a huge difference for this fight to be honest my other fights my my, my first two fights the striking was just to set up the takedowns or set up the guard pass this one like um yeah, learning every fight, getting better every fight. And this one, I actually wanted to, to lay my hands on this guy. Um, didn't get much of a chance to in this one, but... Dropped yeah. him with that clean right hand. Yeah, yeah, the one punch. And then on the ground, I was trying to do damage as well. And then he just sort of gave me the submission. But that's the thing, yeah, that's like you, you hit him hard and they give you other things. They give you the takedown, they give you the submission, all that sort of thing. So I'm improving so much from training, training on a Compton's, working my striking. Um, learning to, to do damage with my hands and my feet and my knees my elbows everything yeah. Yeah, Elliot knows about my elbows <laughs> I've got seven stitches to prove it <laughs> uh, yeah that was my bad I shouldn't do that in training I uh, got carried away that's alright I blame Matt Seaton for that one he was telling me I should I should place my elbows so and... for, the, for the record Stewie and I were grappling up against the fence and uh I had an overhook on one side and bicep control on the other from memory. Stewie was stomping on my foot as he does. And out of nowhere, he just bounced the meanest right <laughs> elbow straight over the top. Landed it. I didn't think he'd cut me, but like I knew he landed it clearly. And then as soon as like he looked at it, I was like, yeah, cool. Seven <laughs> stitches. Seven clean stitches over a cut that had already been cut before. Yeah, I, I really blame Matt Seaton for that one. Um, the day before, he was telling me to place my elbows, and he was saying it was fine. Place it, not throw place it. it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was telling him, I was like, Matt, I'm not going to place them because I just like, I might accidentally land it. And um, but yeah, ever since then, I, accidentally I'm not, on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ever since then, I don't, I don't throw elbows in the in the sparring sparring sense, like in the gym. Um, Live and I learn. Live and I learn. I don't mind, Stuart. I've had my fair share of cutting yeah. people. It's all good. Live and learn. What goes around comes around, right? That's it, man. I got some elbow pads now. I bought myself some elbow pads. So if I am going to throw them, I'll, I'll wear those. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. That's cool. That's uh, it's interesting. So um, what's your plan next then, Stuart? Like, do you have anything lined up? Do you not have anything lined up? You're well, just happy just to chill? Like, what's your... Yeah, I mean, the fight was just on the weekend. It feels like ages ages ago, but it was literally, like, what, six days ago. Yeah. Six days ago. Um, I'm back at training and that. Um, I love training, so always training, always ready for a fight. Um, it's just skill development. I, I, I'm big on, like, um, like I, I like having at least three, four months between fights um, so I can get better. I just want to... Um, Keep working on my skills. So maybe March. I think we're in talks with um, XFC Wombat to do a, do a fight in March 28th. 
So that's about, yeah, three, four months away. Another title defense. My goal is just to fight. But like I said, I've only had three pro fights, so I'm trying to get experience. So I want to have six fights locally, um, get as much experience as possible. I'm improving every fight, like, drastically, like, my confidence, the way I... The way I walk in there, the way I feel in there, the way I warm up, everything. I'm learning so much um, each fight and getting better. I'm starting to throw with intent now and that, so um, it's exciting times. And, and I'm just looking to have like maybe five, six fights locally, and then we'll start looking at, yeah, possibly rising UFC. Like, UFC is the ultimate goal um, to be champion and that, so that's the ultimate goal. But yeah, so six fights locally, get that experience before we even think about making that run. Because when I make that run, it's go time. Oh, it's go time. I'm coming hot. But when you say about getting experience, like that local experience, have you ever thought about maybe letting the fights go for longer than a minute? Or <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. I'm joking. Uh, you get gotta, in, get it done. That's it. That's for sure. it. No, that's, that's cool. It. And if the opponent's worthy, then you know it'll, it'll go longer than that. Um, but yeah, they, they choose how they lose, and um, yeah. So yeah. he decided it was better to get submitted than yeah. to get knocked out. Yeah, that's it. Sure. <laughs> so um. Talk us through, like, when you say, like, this is for both of you guys, too. Like, when you say the goal is to obviously go overseas or whatever else, but that's obviously the long-term goal. So the short-term goal is to continue, like, your skill acquisition and just getting better and better in the gym every day. Like, what is, what, what, what does that actually mean? Like, how do you guys get better on a day-to-day basis? And, like, when you're... See, the thing that I, I learned in my career recently is it's hard to stay focused without a, without a goal necessarily of a fight right so I went a lot of people know I went 18 months with zero fights right and uh, same thing I stayed in the gym every single day but I had a different drive I guess to what other people do so I'm interested to hear like from you guys what is it that drives you to improve every day other than obviously your, your passion for martial arts and being martial artists is like that's part of being a martial artist is getting better every day but that is like so much easier said than done right yeah like it's it's easier to sit here and go oh yeah i just train every day but there's a difference between training every day and training with a purpose every day yeah Yeah. with a fight yeah yeah yeah. so if you're training like with a purpose without the date of a fight like what is that purpose for you and how do you how do you structure your training to make sure that you're you're hitting these 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 short-term goals in the gym every single week aaron you can go first yeah, I think for me, so like the, the, the obviously, yeah, motivation, so emotion and motivatory drivers. Um, so when you have a fight, it's great because you've got lots of positive emotion. You know, you're training, so your body's going, yep, we're moving toward that goal, preparing for that fight, so you feel good, you're like doing the right thing. When you don't have a fight, then it's like, well, well, what am I doing? So I think that's one of those things, how, like a blessing in disguise, because I have had times where I haven't been able to train at all. I'm well aware that I'm miserable without training in my life, and I hate it, and I have no interest in doing that, and that... You know, it's who I am, and it's it's what I want to do without a doubt. And I know that, you know, as much as anyone can know anything. So, I really cope well with not having anything coming up because I, uh, I've had you know times where I can't train. So that helps me uh, in that regard. Then I think that what we I think do, do very well together is is our primary goal is always skill acquisition. Um, so that focus always gives us something to, to be talking about, to aiming towards what are we doing today, how do we go, you know, we do live with each other and it's hard to find someone who, who will talk about this stuff um, all day. And obviously everyone in our crew is happy to, but 
um, for the most part, you know, you go home and that, and, and then that's not the kind of discussions you're having. Whereas we're sort of lucky that we do. So we have those discussions and it's like, oh yeah, yeah you think of something, now you've got another goal. Now you're like, okay, so that's how I could do that. So now that next session, it's like, oh, I want to try this next time. So then we go in, then we're trying it, then we're talking, oh, did you try this? Yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, oh, maybe we could do this. So it helps keep that, you know, that, that drive, because it is like these little goals being set all the time with, with the target of skill. Um, but like I say, I, th- I think that that big thing, you know, having a fight, nothing motivates you more than that because it's like let's go and we all love it. That's you know, at the you end know of the day, what we do that it. If you're yeah. not training, there's going to come a time yep. where you're going to pay the price for it. Yep, yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. Um, so yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think having a fight, like yeah, that is like because yeah, like emotionally, like I, I get a lot more motivated because yeah, like I'm shit scared <laughs> prior to it. Like so, I make sure I'm 100 percent ready. Um, but yeah, not having a fight is a beautiful thing as well because then it's like I can be a bit more creative. Um, I can work on things like because when I'm getting ready for a fight, I just want to sharpen all my best tools. You know what I mean? I want to um, hone in, sort of thing, on, on all my best techniques. But when I'm out of a fight, I'm throwing spinning back kicks and working my head kick. Question mark land- kicks. Question mark kicks. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Marco. Marco landed one today. <laughs> landed one today. I have never been able to throw a, a head kick in my life like. Um, I did Muay Thai a few years ago, like maybe five years ago now, um, with Robbie Tidyman for, for six months. I just, just took a little break off jiu-jitsu just to, to work on my hands for a little bit. I had two fights, um, lost both by decision, so wasn't all the best. But yeah, young and dumb again, like I did a, a few mistakes there competing in a heavier division than I should have been. Um, but yeah, I, I always stuck to leg kicks because I couldn't throw head kicks at all. So. Um, yeah, I get to work on, like, I love it. I love not having a fight. I get to work on different things. I, I get to, yeah, acquire new skills. But when you're getting ready for a fight, you got to focus on what your A-game is. Um, it's hard to, to start learning new things. Like, So, yeah, I'm motivated by both, obviously. Like, it's awesome when I have a fight because, yeah, moving towards my goal of being a champion. Um, and it's awesome when I don't have a fight because then I get to um, open up a little bit and, and practice different techniques and... And throw some head kicks. Throw some head kicks, yeah. Right. Alright, so I guess we're kind of running out of time. I've got to get to my strength and conditioning session. So. It's all good. Um, I just want to kind of close this off. Is the, the idea with this whole podcast, I don't know if I really gave you guys much of a brief beforehand. I kind of just rushed this <laughs> as I do with everything. Um, is like just kind of the, the, the way that I see it is like if you're in, in our gym, right, you, the amount of people that come through the doors with like the, like some really incredible stories like some of the things that you hear in our gym is like it's it's really inspiring and it's really motivating but it's also really educational so I like I've learned a lot of lessons from the people around me like like you guys for a start everybody that comes in for our pro team but also like just the day-to-day clients on like the adversities they face the things that they've overcome and the advice that they give so I, the idea of the podcast was not everybody is able to come to the gym and hear these stories like you know like you hear like like Damien Brown telling us stories about when he was in the UFC and like when he was in the army and things like that and then at the same time you could have someone that completely relates to that that works in an office in the city you know as an accountant and they would give their two cents on things and it kind of builds this, this broader picture but obviously not everyone can experience that in the gym so I wanted to kind of like expose that to a wider audience and hopefully like the the idea of this podcast is to a inspire people but b you know like maybe just open a new uh train of thought for people or whatever it is um and just kind of help people with their it doesn't even have to be fight related but just day to day so in this instance we're going to go fight related so what would be aaron you can go first on this what would be 
your number one advice that you would give to an upcoming athlete or fighter, if you will, um, that's looking to be a professional and take it to the level that you guys have, have got to, not just in a competitive sense, but also for their, their, their own satisfaction and their own sense of accomplishment. It's easy as, man. Find the people that you admire, the coaches, the teammates, and surround yourself with them. Get into to whatever they do. Follow them around. Nag them. Just be the fucking bitch if you're a young kid. Hang around those dudes because they look after you. It's the same thing, you know. Like we're at the point where we got some younger kids now. And, you know, we, we do anything for them, and it, it works both ways. And then we've had the coaches that have done absolutely everything you could ever imagine for us, and we're always grateful for it. And it's that's the key. Yeah. Find the people you admire and just follow them around. Yeah, learn. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I agree with Aaron 100% there. Um, just ask questions as well. Like, uh, that's a huge thing. Like, I'm a coach um, at Bros Martial Arts, and and um, I don't get it enough. Like, you should be asking questions. I mean, when I was at Artos, like, I would ask questions every single, like, about the position I got caught in, about position this guy does really well, and um, ask questions, because that's how you're going to get better, because you're, you're, you're solving the problem that you're having at that session, or, or you're, you're learning something you want to learn. Like, because... Um, you know, martial arts is an art. Like it's an expression of yourself, and you know you're not going to do something if you don't want to do it. So ask the questions. Um, you know, if you, you see me doing a head kick, ask me how to do it. I'll show you. Um, <laughs> show you how it's done. But yeah, ask questions. That's a big one. Like I don't, I don't get it enough. If you're passionate, um, coaches should want to show you. Like you know, if you got the right coaches, they should want to show you because they love it. Like I love it. If someone asks me questions, my eyes light up, and I'll give them my time. Like, and I'll sit there, even if it takes two hours. Like, if we're there for two hours, I love it. I absolutely love helping people out. Um, because it's like, a, it's like a showing someone, like, your favorite toy and that, like, Marcelo, that's what, that's what he talks about. And I 100% agree with that. Like, I, I love showing people my, my favorite moves and, and all that kind of thing or, or helping people with, with problems they're having because that's, it's innately, like, a good feeling, you know what I mean? It's crazy, no, like, you think, like, there's sometimes there's, like, this, uh, this mindset of like you can't give away all your secrets hell but no I'm like man I just don't get that like I'm the same when I'm coaching people I'll give away any little secret that I've got and then if I show that to someone and they catch me with it it's beautiful that's not a re- well it's a reflection on me but it's not a bad reflection on me in some yeah, ways yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a good reflection because I've been able to take my knowledge give it to somebody else and they've been able to like adapt it and understand it and make it their own and probably even make it better yeah so that's cool yeah it's a beautiful really thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, so just to finish off on a positive note, Aaron tells a joke. Oh, no. Anything you want. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not doing uh, joke. Let's keep it G. Uh, we're not jokes. We're not jokes. We're jokes. We're not jokes. jokes. This is the Elliot Compton. This is Compton. Yeah, Compton. End us with a joke. You guys suck. You might be killers, but you suck at telling jokes. No, terrible at telling jokes. You tell us a joke. You might be able to break people down, but you've got to be able to rebuild them back up with jokes. You know that? That's true. You're good at that. You're really good at that. All right, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in. Those that were listening. And uh, next episode is going to be pretty interesting too. It's not going to be as funny as these two, <laughs> I don't think, even though they've got no jokes. But the next one's going to be really interesting. So I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm just going to drop it on you. So yeah, yeah. thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Thanks, bro. Thank you.